Welcome back to another hour of Scott Shower. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. Well, we have hit uh, episode 113. It's like Friday the 13th without the Friday. <laughs> <laughs> or the other 100 days. <laughs> Jason's dead, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. God damn. The first one was his mom, though, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't even know. Well, in any case, uh, thank you to all of our new subscribers on YouTube. We greatly appreciate that, as well as our, as well as our subscribers on uh, Rumble and any and all of our podcast platforms. Please uh, also uh, like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we are actually trying to reach one thousand subscribers, so that way we can open up some more features uh, to the YouTube platform. And uh, we really need your help to do that. So even if you only listen to us once, just hit the like button. You don't have to ever listen to us ever again or hit the subscribe button, I mean. Uh, and that way you can help us out in reaching that goal. Also, if you do hit the like button, that just helps uh, promote our uh, our podcast as well. And uh, please share it with other people if you do enjoy our content. Also, we would like you. We would like to ask you to leave some comments. Let us know what you like about our podcast, what you don't like about our podcast, uh, any uh, ideas that you think that might make it better. If there's any topics uh, that you like us to address during our Smarter Challenge section, uh, if you're in the Denver area, if there's a restaurant that you want us to review, let us know about that as well. And if there's a Scotch within reason, uh, <laughs> and when I say within reason, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm basically saying for right now, we're not really looking at things too much over a thousand dollars, but, uh, but yeah, if there's a scotch you want us to review a uh, single malt scotch though, uh, we'll be more than happy to do that as well. So just leave that in the comments and, uh, for tonight's, uh, agenda, I guess we have one of my favorite distilleries that we're going to revisit here, uh, but is the McAllen. 15-year double cask. We haven't tried this one yet, so I'm super excited. We had the 12-year double cask, and we've had the 12-year uh, triple cask. And the 12-year sherry cask. And the 12-year <laughs> sherry cask. And those were all excellent. So I'm uh, lo really looking forward to this 15-year here. And then uh, uh, we have our shout-outs and get-it-togethers. Uh, restaurant review, which is Las Prodrunkas. Prodrunkas? I don't know. I butchered that. Nailed it. And then uh, our Smarter Challenge, which uh, we will be discussing uh, Missing 411 uh, by David Pilates or Pilates. Uh, I probably butchered his last name too, so I apologize about that, sir. Uh, but with that, let's go ahead and get this uh, thing rocking and rolling. Scotch review. All right. Well, as Noah mentioned, this week's scotch is the McAllen 15-year double cask single malt scotch. So this is a Highland single malt scotch. And man, where to even begin the history, the lineage, all of the facts behind this scotch are never ending. Uh, the basics that they would want you to know, the McAllen double cask 15 year old reveals the unrivaled commitment to the mastery of wood and spirit for which the McAllen has been known since it was established in 1824. It's pretty old. So, yeah, it's been a few years, right? It is an expression of our enduring desire to go beyond ordinary, to seek out the extraordinary and create 
peerless single malts. And that's actually a pretty interesting statement to make, uh, to, to seek a desire to have peerless single malts be uh, one of a kind, so to speak, on a level of its own where no one else is an equal. Um, and then they continue with our reputation for the extraordinary is characterized by the exceptional oak cast for which the McAllen is renowned, sourced, crafted, Toasted and seasoned under the watchful eye of the McAllen Master of Wood, the hand-picked casks are delivered to the demanding specifications of the Whiskey Mastery Team. Once filled, the maturing spirit remains undisturbed in the same cask for a full 15 years. And this is something that's very unique about this version of the McAllen is that it is in that same cask for the full 15 years. A lot of times you'll get a, a 12 year or a 16 year or a 20 year, a 40 year, and it is seasoned in multiple casks throughout that aging process. Um, and, and so the fact that they're leaving it in the same cask, man, I am excited for this one. It is the oak that makes the greatest contribution to the quality, natural color, and distinctive aromas and flavors at the heart of the single malt whiskey. The per perfect partnership of Oloroso Sherry seasoned American oak and European oak casks creates the distinctive warm character of the harmonious single malt. The delicate and indulgent flavors of American oak, including honey, citrus and chocolate balance the McAllen more traditional characteristics of rich fruits sherry and wood spice so this is definitely going to be a man i have zero doubt like sometimes we go into these scotches and i'm like this might be okay or this might be great or hey, this could be good or could be fantastic and this one man it's going to be up there no matter what one thing I do love about the McAllen Scotches is their commitment to the different characteristics. And when I say that, I'm talking about the color, the flavor. They keep a traditional packaging process for most of their Scotches. I'm also talking about the, you know, man, the finish. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot to say about this McAllen Scotch. Did you want to jump into a couple of tours? Yeah, uh, actually, they don't really do tours. Man, I, like I saw something on there where like they did it for a while and then they stopped. And then 2021, they opened their shop again. And that looked like the extent of it. Yeah, so what they're doing now is called experiences. So they're, <laughs> not, mean... <laughs> they're not tours. So they have what's called the Mastery Experience. It's a four-hour-long uh, experience. It's uh, 250 uh, GBP. Or, or GBP, Great British Pounds, or it's approximately $312 USD. That's not Adele, right? Like 250 GBP? <laughs> <laughs> and, too too uh, soon? <laughs> yeah, too soon. <laughs> but here, uh, this process, they, uh, the, the experience uh, delves deeper into the whiskey-making process and starts with a welcome dram at the McCallum Whiskey Wall before enjoying a dining experience at their, uh, at the kind of like the restaurant they have there on location. Uh, and then that's going to be paired with wine. So you're getting like wines, dram, uh, food, and it's like a huge uh, experience there. And it's, it's really worth it. Uh, then they got the, the discovery experience. 
And here, uh, this takes a guess throughout uh, their proud heritage, exploring the journey from acorn to glass. And this is approximately uh, $62 uh, or 50 uh, British pounds. It's about two and a half hours long. And this runs Thursday through Sundays until July 31st of 2023. Then they got the Story of Oak experience. Now, this experience is 35 uh, British pounds, 43 USD. Uh, it's every day at 1030. Um, and it runs from Thursdays through Sunday, uh, through Sundays uh, from now till July 31st. And this one you uh, says you experience the impact of exceptional oak casks have on the maturation of, of the McAllen spirit. And then they have the curated collection. This collection is approximately 93 US dollars with 75 uh, British pounds. And here you relax in the McAllen bar and journey through the unique tasting flights of three expressions of the McAllen. That's going to be expertly expertly selected by uh, by their bar team. Then they got the McAllen through the ages. This one's 175 British We're pounds. We're getting closer to our taste. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first one's really our taste. <laughs> Uh, you mean 250? And, <laughs> no, that one was the uh, 300 and something. Oh, all right. With the, the dinner and the yeah, wine. We're in. That was the mastery experience. Uh, but the McAllen through the, uh, through the ages, 175 bridge pounds or 218 USD. And here they're going to join. Uh, you join us at the McAllen bar for the exclusive flights of three of our high uh, our high age age expressions. Not ours, but the McAllen's. And that uh, is uh, that happens at about twelve thirty in the afternoon every day. Uh, once again, Thursday through Sundays until July thirty first. Then they got the boutique experience. Uh, they here. Uh, this is like where you go and shop, and they're kind of like their little their little store there on, on the premise. Uh, there's no really price point there, uh, but they do have two others which you have to inquire about. One is called the Pioneer Experience. Here you join them at a uh, for a theater production that brings to life the characters from our uh, from their history that have played a role in shaping their future. Um, and and then it's uh, you'll be transported back through time and they go through all that stuff uh, while enjoying a picnic lunch uh, by the banks of the River Spey and uh, the opportunity to taste some special whiskeys along the way. So you get lunch. You get drams and you get a movie. You get a show. You get a show. <laughs> but I think this one, this one, this next one, I think this is really, really up our, our alley cha -ching, here. Cha -ching, cha -ching. This is the extraordinary journey with Bentley Motors. Bentley Motors. <laughs> there we go. This here, you explore the uh, idyllic Speyside, uh, Scotland, and the McAllen Estate uh, uh, Pentiaga Hybrid. With an in, uh, incomparable chauffeur driving experience. So they're going to drive you around and you get to check out their estate and uh, drink scotch. Drink scotch. <laughs> so it's like James Bond, you're just not driving. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure, like, uh, when you're talking about their history, because uh, I was looking up those uh, USD price points while you're doing that, uh, I do remember in one of our earlier shows, and I'm not sure if you had revisited, but after they had closed down, or I'm not sure if it was they closed down or they were bought out again, um, they uh, they had some issues where they were going to sell some of their more aged 
uh, scotches. Yeah, sixty years. So and then they and then it was found out that those were uh, fraudulent scotches. So now they started putting those holograms on there. So. I, I didn't know if you had brought that up because, uh, I, like I said, I wasn't really totally paying attention. But Not yet, but as we talk more oh, okay. about... Sorry about that. No, it's all good, but um, that is a key point is there was a point in, and I think this is true for anyone, like, let's face it, if you're a boy, a girl, you're going to go through an aging process, you ultimately become a man and a woman, and if at some point you didn't test the waters or the scotches, you probably didn't mature to a real ripe age. Well, I don't know that it was the McAllen family themselves, clearly it wasn't, but one of their owners or proprietors decided to try to sell, as you mentioned, some 60-year-old expressions that were not truly that. And who knew, you know, you could use DNA testing or the science behind it to test a scotch well somebody did and they found out it was a fail <laughs> i i can't remember if it was like after they were shut down for a little bit or if they were just bought out it or... was a while back it was in the 90s and yeah they were had recently been bought out uh i don't think it was the suntory group but it was another um group where they came in and they uh did some bad things Guessing that must have been the group that must have bought them out. Was that in 99, the partnership between uh, Edward Ginn and, or Edward, I don't even know how to pronounce that name. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to say. Edward Ginn, Ed, Edrington. Ed, 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 Ed Dude, maybe Edrington. it was Suntory because it does say here, 86, Suntory acquires 25% okay. of the business. But Might have been. Yeah, it was uh, somebody somewhere. And this isn't necessarily, here's where it gets tricky. Sure, or what, William and Grant and Sons, they also bought them out in 99. I think it was Suntory. And here's where it gets super tricky is, man, it doesn't matter if it's the business. At the end of the day, one person can make it or break it, or one person can be impacted by all of those business decisions. Somebody along the line sold some bad scotch that wasn't as old as they said it was. Which is interesting because, you know, like you watch some shows and once you get to be like 50 years old, no one's buying that. <laughs> right. And it, wasn't uh, didn't the McAllen make it into James Bond too? Oh, multiple times. Yes. In particular, in uh, the episode where James Bond uh, watches the bad guy shoot the dram of scotch off someone's head, but instead he just shoots her because then the dram falls. And James Bond's only, uh, uh, you know, response when asked, what do you think of that is what a terrible waste of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> A 60-year, nonetheless. Was that the very last one? No, it wasn't. Uh, um, it's not even the second to last one. Um, it's not... It, it I know it's like in like a, in a, they're on an island, right? And like the place is all bombed out and stuff. Well, yes, that, that is exactly the scene, but it is um, the house or, or the episode where they visit the house he was originally raised in. So it's not Spectre. Okay. So that, okay. It's not um, Quantum of Solace, but it is there in between. <laughs> <laughs> 
testing your James Bond knowledge here real quick. That's right. You guys, we'll give you a couple minutes. You can think about it. We'll give you the answer in just a minute. But first, we're going to talk a little bit more about the history of the Macallan Scotch. So the Macallan is one of the world's most renowned and respected Scotch whiskey brands with a history that dates back till 1824. With a deep commitment of tradition, craftsmanship, and quality, the Macallan has been at the forefront of Scotch whiskey production for centuries. And that's a key point. Next year is literally the two-century mark. This article will explore the history behind the remarkable brand from its early beginnings to today. All right, so going back to James Bond, if you haven't already uh, come up with it, it is Skyfall, which is literally the name of the property of which James Bond grew up in, in the, <laughs> the movie named after the house, Skyfall. Um, early beginnings. The McCallan's origins can be traced back to 1824 when Alexander Reed established a distillery on the banks of the River Spey in Scotland. The original facility was little more than a farmer's barn, but with hard work and dedication, Reed and his family business quickly grew. And in, nine, uh, 19, in 1887, the company was formally established as Matthew Glow and Sons Limited. The McAllen was sold to Roderick Kemp in 1892, who focused on improving the facilities with a new distillery, and the McAllen opened its doors on Speyside. Following Kemp's death in 1909, the Roderick Kemp Trust was set up to protect the family's stake in the business. For the next 45 years, the McAllen operated on five small stills, producing quality blended whiskey. And this is a piece that's really um, key in this point is, man, so many distilleries back then couldn't get the science or the basics right. So they blended great whiskeys with terrible whiskeys to come up with a mediocre whiskey that almost anyone would buy, and most people did. So the expansion of the brand, the popularity of the McAllen steadily grew over the years, and following increased demand, distillery had to expand before 1954 distillery had five stills over the next decade it had increased it to 12 stills by the mid 70s they had further expanded to 21 total stills greatly increasing capacity the brand released a variety of expressions vintages and cask types over the years and by the 1980s had gained a global reputation for excellence and that's pretty key it takes time uh you know there aren't any names i know of that didn't take time decades when you're talking about long-term product excellence it doesn't matter if you're talking about a mercedes or ferrari or the mccallan it does take time to build up that re reputation and there's also a piece to me that is about heritage you can't come out with a scotch next year i don't care if it is the world's highest rated scotch if it doesn't have the heritage give me some time show me some consistency that consistency is what will ultimately win for me um so during the 1980s blended whiskey was on the decline so the company developed more single malt whiskeys to target this growing market in 1986 suntory the japanese brewery purchased 25 percent of the company from a Roderick kemp trust the mccallan is now distributed in more than 100 
countries worldwide. In the 90s, the McAllen saw a number of changes, um, including in 96, saw the remaining 75% of the company purchased by Highland Distillers Limited. And in 1999, they were purchased by a partnership between Edrington and William Grant and Sons. Um, the Highland Distillers, they purchased this for 601 million pounds. I'm in. I'm ready. <laughs> That's cheap, actually. Like, you really think about what they're pulling in. Uh, that was cheap. It was cheap. And then, and then they also did a lot of great renovations, like with the new uh, visitor center there in 20-something. I, I don't remember what it is, but it recently opened not too long ago. Yeah. Tons of history here. We've talked about it on previous shows as well. We, we have done, as was mentioned, the 12-year triple cast, the 12-year double cast, the 12-year sherry cask, and the addition number six. Now, that doesn't uh, forgive or forget the Coco Expression limited release. So it is something where we've got a lot of history on some of our shows. Please revisit some of those um, or their website themselves if you want and care to see more exactly all right i guess it's time to uh undress the lady oh man as you would normally say i i am ready to undress this lady and man it's simple but this is a good looking box right it is <laughs> nothing too complicated here it is a triangle check if you will it's not really a diamond check it is a triangle check with both flat and glass finishes uh the bottle is noah mentioned once you pull it out of the box does come standard with their the mccallan hologram one way for them to thwart uh, the forgery if you will the falsification of a scotch that is truly theirs on top of that they have a unique lid which is nearly impossible to fully close once it has been open all the way and they have a great shape now this is not a traditional fully round bottle it is more oblong kind of like an egg if you were to look at it from the top or the bottom and it is fantastic particularly with this groove they put in always traditional always classic always one i love simply put but elegant always agreed all right well you ready to jump into this yes i am sir i am excited i just want to look at it one more time before i jump in because we have talked about as we furthered some of our McAllen, the McAllen uh, experiences that we have gone from the 12 and now we're reaching that 15 year experience. 18 and beyond is right around the corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, what is the top? Is it plastic? The top is plastic, and I all I can say is if you look at the way that they create it so that it cannot be fully put on without some serious work, I believe it's intentional because I don't think you could make that top out of wood. It has to be a semi-flexible material and uh, one that won't negatively impact the flavor of the scotch. 
Yeah, I'd imagine that. That goes back to, I think, what they experienced, and they want to just ensure it doesn't happen again. But to your point, don't underlook or underestimate the importance of that is a well-embossed the McAllen logo on the top. That is solid oak, well-groomed and prepped for the top. And as we mentioned, man, it doesn't matter how hard you push. You're going to break that damn bottle trying to pretend that you never opened this. It's, it's no smelling longer, good. Dude, it's no longer a virgin. Oh, there was, was there any doubt? Like, no, none. I'm, I'm scared because this means this is the beginning of the end of this night. <laughs> All right. So it is time for us to go into our warp speed and do our tasting notes. So cheers. Cheers. McAllen 15 OMG I guess that's all I gotta say oh my god uh this uh this expression from McAllen does not disappoint it really doesn't um I am almost at a loss for words I think maybe the uh expression number six is probably the most comparable that we've had to this one maybe uh because the uh the the McAllen Harmony Collection, the uh, Coco uh, version, is is quite a different expression than this 15. But I honestly think probably the closest out of all of the McAllens that we might have tried uh, comparable to this might have been the edition number six, possibly the 12, but I don't think the 12 even compares. Mm-hmm. Um so, oh, and I forgot. I even, I even forgot to do my scoring. That's how much I love this stuff. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I guess. Well, I'll be scoring on the fly here, uh, but uh, I got so uh, caught up in our conversation. I totally, totally. Uh, the scotch is that good, ladies and gentlemen. But um, for the color here, I put deep golden amber. I like this uh, golden amber. This is almost the same kind of color that we got with the. Uh, the McAllen number six. I love it. I totally dig the color. Uh, and if I if I didn't say that, then I would have also said a deep butterscotch uh, coloring. And I think it holds true because that's what uh, that's what even what McAllen calls is a, a butterscotch coloring. Um, but I think it's a much darker than just a normal butterscotch color. Um, so as far as the coloring goes, I gave it five out of five points. I really love it. I really dig it. Uh, the packaging. Once again here, I think packaging comes to something that, that uh, goes over the top, has like a wooden box, swivel, or whatever to it. So even though uh, they kept it classical and nice, and but it's like it looks just almost like any other one of their boxes that you see from their normal exp- uh, expressions. Uh, so I just kept that as a four. Now the aroma uh, here... Um, when I, uh, was going through, I got nice hints of apple with oak spice and chocolate with some, uh, sultana sweetness, honey and butterscotch and the butterscotch I didn't initially get, but like probably about, uh, probably about like five, 10 minutes after it being open, that butterscotch started to make itself more pronounced and that is just a nice, uh, inviting 
sweet tone to the smell. And I love the smell of the apples in there. I love the oaky spice that you get from it. And every so often, the the you get a whiff of that chocolate, of uh, the chocolateness. And uh, that's always a nice welcome uh, smell, especially if you like dark cocoa or chocolate and stuff like that. So if I were to give this some points, I'm probably going to give it one of the higher points I've ever given uh, because I do like it a lot. Um, probably not the high is I think it's definitely the highest I ever given as far as the aromas go, but I'm giving it 28 points. All right. So I really dug it. Uh, the palette. Oh, the palette. I just, uh, I, I love this palette. It, it starts off with a creamy vanilla butterscotch. And then it, to me, it, it morphs into an, apple crumble with hints of cinnamon and nutmeg which just makes it totally enjoyable it's almost like uh a nice autumn dessert uh dessert for the palate you know uh but in liquid form uh it's just so nice i love the hints of the cinnamon and the nutmeg um also uh as it hits uh goes from the front palate into the mid palate i'm getting those flavors so front palate creamy vanilla butterscotch mid palate the apple crumble with hints of cinnamon and nutmeg going into my finish and into the into the finish here where i get the sultana sweetness of the raisin of that raisin uh with and it's medium long with some nice hints of honey oak and nutmeg that just lingers in your mouth and this is a well-balanced uh, uh scotch from the beginning to the end there's no heavy spikes anywhere in between you're not getting like not one not not the front palate mid palate or the finish it do you really hit a spike in there so it's just nice and smooth clear across the uh your whole palate uh, is medium bodied and it's really velvety, if you will. It just like, it just like s flows smoothly across all parts of, of the uh, tasting palate, in my opinion. Black velvet. And <laughs> I'm going to give the palate 29 because I really dug it. And, huh? <laughs> and the finish. Just, I can't right now. You can't just wait for it. And then the finish, I really like the finish. Uh, and that will be a 28. <laughs> so, uh, I think I'm roughly what, like a 90 something. I know that much. What a 94, a 94. Where's where your point at here? <laughs> 28, 29, 28. <laughs> Okay, so, so I was the. What are the chances? <laughs> what, are, what are the chances? We scored it exactly the same. Uh, spoiler alert there. Uh, so that was the 94? 94. Okay, so 94. I did it on the fly. You guys saw me go through it and, and score it as I went through. Uh, would I take this to a black tie affair? Reluctantly, yes. <laughs> I love it. And the reason why I say reluctantly yes is because do I think it's worthy of a black tie affair? Definitely. Uh, do I think you'll impress people? Possibly, but if they if they're already like in that realm and where they, they attend many black tie affairs and stuff like that, uh, it will I think this would be like minimum standard, really. But when I say reluctantly yes, it's because 
this is a this is a scotch I would want to covet and hold on to and not really share and be stingy with, and uh, that's the reason why I say reluctantly taking it to a black tie affair because I would take it uh, because I you know I think uh, it would show well for you I think you come across being classy you come across like you belong um, as long as your attire ma- like matches the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, would I take it to a poker game? Definitely not. I'm not going to share it with my friends at a poker game. Now, if a uh, a Scotch connoisseur came to my house or a good friend of mine who loves Scotch came to my house, would I get down sharing with this? Hell yeah. I think this is a Scotch that you can share with, uh, with someone who would really appreciate it, someone who uh, likes scotches that one would like to covet and hold on to. And honestly, uh, I, I would enjoy drinking it by myself, but you know, a part of, a part of life is uh, experiences and sharing those exper- experiences with others. So even though I would cover this and want to hold on to it, uh, it's, I definitely think it's an expression that should be shared with someone uh, that would appreciate it as much as I would appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I think it's phenomenal. I love it. And uh, if you can find a bottle of it, I, I highly suggest you, you, you get a bottle of it. I believe it, it was roughly... $175 before tax. I think what tax came close to like 195 or something like that. Uh, I found it at Bevy's. That was the last bottle there in Bevy's and Parker. So if you're in Colorado, you can still find one. I'd say grab it and snatch it up. Um, you said snatch. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely snatch it up and uh, enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's great. I, What's say you? I kind of already know. Snatch is just one of my favorite movies. Always catches my eye. I love, yeah, that movie's a great I movie. I see Snatch and I can't look away. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, <sighs> balanced, I believe, to me, balanced is the beginning of defining this scotch. And the last time I felt this impressed by a scotch was with the Dalmore King Alexander III. And the Dalmore, you know, before that it would be the Dalmore 15 year. The Dalmore has put out great scotches. Um, before that on our show, it would be the McAllen Edition 6. So there have been a handful of scotches in our 113 episodes that uh, are here or in the same ballpark. This one. Um, is the first of that ballpark where we've been doing our scoring. And it is phenomenal. And balanced is the key word for me as well. Starting with the eye, um, the color. Much like the McAllen Edition 6, much like some of the Dalmores, it has got that amazing, whether you want to call it burnt caramel, or as they do, the butterscotch. That's a perfect name for it. It is a burnt sugar color to this scotch. It is sun-touched. It is 
beautiful it is truly a scotch color that is worthy of eyeing and i appreciate that because sometimes i see those super fair ones and they're great too but most scotches fall in a realm where they do not catch the eye so the mccallan with their mix of x oloroso and uh you know seasoned american and european oak casks they have done a great job using that natural color from those casts to do deliver this. Um, phenomenal. So for me, the packaging, as Noah has mentioned, uh, it's not the next level, but it's not basic for, which has become the norm for recently for our taste of scotch. That's pretty common, but the color is a five on the nose. Ah. Again, balanced from beginning to end. Butterscotch. Seasoned apples. A little hint, and I love this, of chocolate right before oak. So butterscotch, apples, chocolate, oak. Primo, I'm right there with you. 28 on the nose. The palate is the win at 29 because... Mm. And if you guys haven't done this and you haven't tested the, the flavors, the even, you know, the nose and the finish that you get from different scotch glasses, it is amazing to really do it for yourself and experience that because it is different. For me, oh. In the long run, I'm loving the bigger glass. It is my preference. However, when first out of the chute, the little glass gives it a much better nose. So, but on the palate, um, starts ripe with honey, oak, mild cinnamon, balanced nutmeg, and creamy vanilla. You got to really consider all of that. So you got honey, oak, cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla. It's all creamy. Man, it is like a dream to go with creme brulee. It almost suits, you know, always feels, almost fills the bill. Uh, amazing to think about that. Especially when, particularly in the bigger glass for me, I'm getting that nose of butterscotch before the other pieces. Um, but all of that transcends from this great nose. Amazing palette for me at 29 to the finish also at 28. Um, total score a 94. And again, the finish for me, raisin, oak, spice. But the key word here is it's balanced. There is no piece of it that is offensive. Uh, you know, it's pretty standard for the McCowan to do exactly what they have done here. 43% ABV for a Highland single malt scotch from the McCallan is normal. You don't taste the alcohol. You taste the creamy vanilla with a hint of cinnamon and chocolate and nutmeg. And it's divine. As far as experiences, man... I don't know what else to say besides this scotch is one of those perfect dates where you go out, might be a hike, might be a lunch, might be, 
you know, you're just going down a busy street in your local city and visiting a breakfast stop and a pawn shop or, you know, a couple different shops, uh, a bookstore, a used bookstore where you find a great book. And as you continue to venture, then eventually you get lunch and you continue along your way. And man, at this point, you don't even care. You stop and play pool for half an hour, an hour, and you're just eating little bits as you're drinking, and you're just having an amazing day, and you finish it up with a primo dinner and a little movie, maybe some sex, and it's, it's literally the perfect day. You finish it off. Uh, it does not leave any sense wanting from the eye to the nose to the mouth. It is a solid. I actually feel bad only giving it 94, but I think that is probably proper. Um, it is a solid scotch. It is a solid date. Would I take it to a poker night? Now, I, I continue to think about this. I don't go to many poker nights. So if I'm going to a poker night, it's much like a black tie event for me, most likely. I'm not doing this on a whim with people I don't know. I'm doing it with buddies who will also appreciate scotch. So would I bring it to a poker night? Yes. However, much like yourself, reluctantly. Would I bring it to a black tie event? Yes. And what I will say here is, man, this is a scotch you bring in. You have every goddamn right to be pretentious, as other people will say it. But when you know what you like in Scotch and you can speak to the McAllen 15, you should be what they think is pretentious because you're not wrong about calling this great from every sense. And share that with them. Let them know you think I'm being pretentious. Go F yourself. And uh, yeah, by the way, go look up the rating on this Scotch on Scotch Hour. Well, they say it's just as good as I do. Um, at the end of the day, I also covet this scotch and uh, more than anything, though, would share it with friends. This is an experience meant to be shared with people who appreciate scotch. And you should definitely, if they do not know scotches as well as you do, have a flight. Try some of those rougher Highland single malt scotches with this in the mix because that's part of the experience. That's that's that perfect date where you're going from one place to another and having one beer here and then going to the mall or the shop and, you know, the secondhand store and buying a t-shirt you'll probably only wear once but god damn it it's the perfect t-shirt that day going to the next drink and you're thinking about like well they definitely had their beers 10 degrees cooler in this place and those beers were better um, that is the type of experience that this scotch is meant for to me it's uh, meant to be cherished and we joke about sinning and we also do it uh, they see do not covet thy neighbor's watch well if your neighbor has one of these bottles of scotch in his window covet thy neighbor's scotch i will just say it then and there <laughs> <laughs> so when you say go look up the score where were you saying to go look up the score at scotch hour right here <laughs> okay 94 <laughs> All right, I was just making sure it was Scotch Hour because I thought you might have been, you might have meant like a different public. No, right here, Scotch Hour. Our scores have been solid. Some higher than the mainstream, some lower than the mainstream. Consistent, nonetheless. Do you know what the score was from the mainstream? I'm guessing it was probably a 92. I have no idea. So. I'm, I'm just guessing. It cannot be bad, um, but based on just we haven't been wrong yet. 
like when I look at it, I don't, I don't look at the scores before we do our show. Um, but every time we've done a show and then looked, we've been pretty goddamn close to the mainstream. Really? Yeah. Almost always things they don't do. They don't consider really the color or the presentation. Um, and, and I can appreciate that, but I think that that is part of the total purchase power. And when people are watching our show, I assume much like myself, they do care what the box looks like. They do care what the bottle looks like because to our point, we're talking about, you're going to bring this to a poker night or a black tie affair or cover it with friends. Man, if you're popping this on the bottle and you each brought three of you uh, brought your favorite scotch that you're going to compare and ultimately we do compete, right? You're competing with what that bottle and box looks like matters 200%, which is not possible, but 100%. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, anytime you go to like a poker, you know, or whatever you hang Even out with. Even a black tie event, you're trying to impress the future in-laws or yeah. make sure that, you know, if, you know, Game of Thrones style, you're trying to make sure uh, that somebody else's future in-laws know that their future son-in-law or daughter-in-law is making the wrong choice. Bingo, bingo, what scotch is he bring? Ardmore, I brought the McKellen 15. It's time for our shout outs. My shout out goes um, to my team at work. And that is, man, they have been giving 100% trying to reach our goals as a store and a company and a team. Most importantly for me as a team. Um, for one metric, and I'd like to try not to mention too many specifics, but whether or not that ultimately comes through the impact they have had from a reporting standpoint means to me, even though they may not be green at the end of the day for the real report, to me, they were green um, to improve by what I saw, which was over 100%. That's amazing. So you're reducing um, one piece or another by 50% or more. Um, the reverse of that would be increasing or improving by 100% or more. That is what they have done um, for a couple of weeks in a row, but this last week in particular. And I just really appreciate all the hard work because I know it's not easy because I do it with them. Um, I really appreciate that. My other shout out goes to my daughter. Um, she did go out and these young kids, some of them, not all of them, are doing a pretty good job saving cash really well and there's no such thing as a good cheap used car anymore uh, but she did go out and buy a used car with cash no payments although i kind of wish she would have started to build a credit history um, no cash no bills no future obligations in that aspect uh, but the fact that she was able to do that great job so cheers to both of you guys and the team uh, my first shout out is going to go to, uh, I, I believe the, the restaurant is called Heritage uh, Restaurant. Uh, it's there in Wildwood, Florida, in the Paddock Square area. Um, I took uh, my mom there for an early Mother's Day uh, lunch, and the wait staff was phenomenal. Mm. Uh, we uh, The waitress, her name was Zoe. She did a fantastic job, so I just want to give her a shout out saying she did a great job. And the food there was phenomenal, too. Uh, the second shout-out, I'm going to give it to you. And uh, while you, like, I, I'm giving you the shout-out for doing your homework and checking to see how our scores match up with the mainstream. I did, like, I never thought about doing that, but uh, 
therapy that you had. I'm giving you a shout out. Dude, I, I worry about that sort of thing because I'm like, man, I could be so way off base. And there are some, like typically right now we're ranging a couple points higher, but I think that's because of the presentation and color points we give versus their scores. But yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty interesting. It's been fun, honestly, because everyone's tastes differ. Those individuals, typically world-class, the level of world-class sommeliers, uh, they've got, you know, the equivalent of a doctorate degree in wine tasting. We do not, but what we know is what we like. And so the fact that we have, um, as a team, us as a team, we as a team have gone out and we've looked at, okay, what do we like? What do we not like? We know there is a different expectation for lowland scotches, for highland scotches, for Island scotches, and then within the highlands, you've got space side scotches. Um, and within the islands, there are so many different islands, but we accept and understand all the differences. But at the end of the day, there are still core values to be appreciated. We adapt a little bit more than some of the mainstream, as far as yeah, island scotches are going to be different than a highland scotch. Um, but I actually think that's good because from our rating perspective. We share that, and as a viewer, you guys get to see, hey, yeah, this is what I can expect from an island scotch, and yeah, for an island scotch, man, for an island scotch right now, for me, nothing has beat the Ardbeg 19. That is a prime example. I love Lagavulin. I have not had a Lagavulin that beat the Ardbeg Tribon uh, 19. That just not, has not happened. That's, uh, that's saying a lot for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, any uh, get-it-togethers? Okay, so this is the mix. This is the intermingling, the commingling between shout-outs and get-it-togethers. Um, so as we go from just total shout-outs, the shout-out here, the shout-out portion of the next one where there's a shout-out and a get-it-together is for two restaurants, and one of them being the Olive Branch and the other one being for Maggiano's. And I went on a little uh, flight of lobster ravioli, so to speak, if you will. And so first I went to the Olive Branch and had their lobster ravioli Man, nine out of 10 minimum for their lobster ravioli, right? And their limoncello cake, I have to give it a 10 out of 10. It was amazing. I almost, I like had a tear in my eye. It was so delicious. And the waiter who has not subscribed yet, unless he's one of those last two in the last day, um, said he would subscribe um, because I just let him know. I was like, man, I don't. Was it the same guy that we had? Same guy. And I told him, I was like, man, I don't get this emotional with food very often, but your lemon cello cake, I, there, you, this is obviously homemade. This is not something you bought somewhere. And the flavor, uh, if you will, balance, profile, any way you want to put it, impeccable. You cannot question it. It was perfect and i i literally my eyes watered and he came over is everything okay and i'm like yeah man you're i just want to let you know your lemon cello cake is that good i don't get this way very often but it's that good um so for the olive ranch once again food uh service definitely go there if you're looking for those two pieces i still want a little bit more for an ambiance and environment uh the person i was with marissa she loved the environment she thought it was great especially for a new restaurant um, but then i had to do my own flight comparison of lobster ravioli so we went back over to maggiano's did a quick taste of 
what I thought they had. Maybe it was a one-time thing, a seasonal thing, or maybe I just had a nice wet dream and it was lobster ravioli. Uh, the lady there, the server there, let me know, waitress, that they did not have lobster ravioli, but she gave me the option, so we ended up doing their mushroom ravioli with their black truffle oil, cream sauce, and lobster claw meat across the top. I will tell you this I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but actually beat the Olive Branch's lobster ravioli, even though this wasn't a lobster ravioli, but because it had the flavor of the mushrooms, the truffle oil, the black truffle sauce, the creamy sauce, and then the lobster meat on top, and the way it was all presented and served beautiful, tastes great, still the ambiance there, man, I... The only reason I don't want to go back to Margiano's right now is the way they've redone the Denver Tech Center and the Denver Pavilions on the inside. I do not find it sexy anymore. And I, if I'm going to, sp I have no problem spending 150 bucks on a meal. If I want to spend 150 bucks on a meal, I just want to know it's sexy. And the meal is sexy, but there's that's like this little one square foot piece of a hundred thousand square foot restaurant doesn't cut the bill so but shout out get together shout out the food both of you nailed it uh the, the get it together please do something with your interior and make it warm it felt cold i didn't want to be there i do think you're right about the lobster ravioli because i believe you ordered that when you me and marissa went there for our uh the for that we had that family dinner and they went yes to and we went to go see a movie. I forget which movie that was. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I think they had it I as think a it special. Was a, it was a special, yeah. Because <laughs> I think you got an email or something. Yeah, and it was amazing. Then so. this was better. <laughs> well, now you know how to order it. There we go. <laughs> that's part of the experience that we talk about that. This is that experience. Get Seriously, get this, Scotch. Yeah, so this week uh, I'm not doing any, any more. Uh, I'm not well, not anymore, but I'm just not doing a uh, get it together this week. All right. So as we go from there, I'm going to get to my true get it together. Okay. And uh, this one, you know, I, I've really started considering some things, and it's really for parents to educate their children because a lot of parents consider this is a teacher's responsibility, but it all comes down to, and this is why teaching is so important, tuition forgiveness for me. So currently, uh, individuals who had student loans, you can't even make a payment right now. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this because I never took out student loans. I paid all my debts or my parents paid all those debts. So for me, this is a double negative rub. But here's why it's a truly negative rub is the best thing I can correlate this to is a fake ensemble date. So here you have Biden and he is the suitor, right? He's like, hey, lady, uh, you want to go on a date with me? And she's looking to make a name for herself, as we all are. And she's looking for a future, as I believe most of us are. <laughs> and she's looking for greatness, which, you know, it takes work, but there's a good portion of us which are. And she's like, well, yeah, man, what do you drive? He's like, Shh, Ferrari SF90. Come on, that right this way. And she's like, man, that's a nice car. And then she's like, where are you taking me to dinner? And he's like, mm, Barolo Grill, baby. And she's like, all right, this is getting better. And she's like, where do you live? And I'm like, 
over there in Cherry Hills Village Farm. And she's like, I'm in, all out. And then they go on the date, and she gives herself in every way possible to him. In other words, votes him into office. She's like, you are my man, right? You are my man, Biden. You are my next president. And then all of a sudden, he's like, well, that was never really going to happen, but... I'm going to keep dragging you along as long as I can until, you know, I've wasted enough of your time and your money because you're paying for half of this anyway, if not more than half of it. And then you're just going to either jump ship or fall off to the curve anyway. And that is literally what he has done with the tuition reimbursement program. So the economy was great and he creates this false program that, as I still see it, is never going to happen, right? He is driving the Ferrari. That's not going to happen. He's not living in the Cherry Hills Village. He's a lawnmower in one of the estates. And with all of this, he's convincing these people, man, we're going to be great together. All along, then, he creates these roadblocks, right, where she could be finding the next real man. I don't know who that man is. Uh, uh, you could throw out a name Trump. I don't know if that's the real next real man either. But regardless... She's he's like cock blocking her from finding a real man. And then by the time she realizes it, man, he has been like, well, you've wasted two years, four years with me. And I didn't make you make any tuition reimbursement payments when you were getting all those stimulus payments and everything else. And you could afford it. But what I did was I stalled it long enough that inflation caught up. And even though you were making twice as much money, you could have been paying off your student loans when you had money to give. And they sent your checks back and then you blew it on stupid stuff. Some of you invested it. Good for you. Most not. You blew it on stupid stuff. And now you can't afford to make those payments. Hey, your next payment is due now, now that he can't afford to make it. That is literally where this economy is going with this student loan program. I mean, the get together goes to, man, just do a little planning. And it's not for, like, Biden knew what he was doing. I don't believe for one second some piece of that didn't think with all of the millions maybe billions of dollars they spend on planning that they knew where this was going. No, they knew how to abuse the system and come re-election time. What do you think is going to come up in the next four, you know, four months or so? Oh, I announced my re-election campaign. Ah, we're going to go through with this. Let's stall them again. It's just get it together. Realize this was always a bad plan because you pay for it anyway in tax dollars. It's time for our shout-outs. Man, no, you picked this restaurant and you named it, and I'm like, what the hell is this? What I will say is, to me, it was a win. The restaurant, Las Potron Cas. <laughs> Las Potron Cas. So it is a new little restaurant in Parker, Colorado, um, off of Parker Road, and man, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, I liked it. So if any of you had ever been to, and I walked in once, did not stay for a meal, um, but the Blue Note, it is where the Blue Note used to be in Parker, Colorado. Basically, what is it? Hilltop and Parker Road, roughly right around there. Yes, not far from uh, 20 Mile Road and Parker Road. So... Yeah, uh, the uh, for when you first walk in, uh, I think uh, it's still morphing into what it's going to be. 
Because I think you still see remnants of like the blue note there because you have like jazz player uh, paintings of like jazz players on the wall. Uh, but yet there's still like a Mexican motif to it. Uh, where you have like a lady that looks like from like, uh, like the day of the dead type of thing or, uh, mortos day, the mortos say something. Yeah. Day of the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Big celebration. I want to go. I really do. Brazil. Uh, and I think the, uh, the really kind of like, the, I think the reason why I picked this here is because on, on Friday it's going to be Cinco de Mayo. Uh, and then for those of you who do celebrate uh, May Day, happy May Day to you. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I, I was really impressed with the place. They, uh, I thought their salsa was good. They, uh, they started off right away with chips and salsa. I must've been hungry. Cause uh, when I was waiting for you, I ate all the chips <laughs> And uh, so they brought out some more salsa and chips, uh, and I didn't even have to. I didn't even ask for it. So that was, that kind of was nice that they were super on top of that. Uh, I ordered the uh, fajitas, uh, the, or steak fajitas, and those were really good. I will say though, I think the steak fajitas over at uh, El, was El Mariachi or casa mariachi casa mariachi Casa yeah casa mariachi i think they make a better steak fajita but these steak fajitas were pretty good um and uh yeah i, I think the food i would give it a probably a, a solid eight it was it was good not overly impressive it's a medium plate it's a that medium tier mm-hmm. <clears throat> where it's above uh fast food but below fine dining the service I thought was wonderful. The waitress was on top of it. Uh, they came around just enough, uh, just the right amount of uh, times. Uh, so there, I'm going to give that a nine. Uh, and you know, even though the uh, the atmosphere had it was like part part Mexican and then part jazz, I actually thought it like combined pretty well together, and I thought it made it for a unique experience for a Mexican restaurant. So I'm going to give that. Uh, an eight just for the uh, uniqueness of it all, and uh, so I guess that's uh, so eight, eight, nine. So I'm gonna give it like a grand total of eight point five. Would I take a first eight there? Yeah, I, I would. Um, would I meet a friend there? Yeah, I do that as well. Uh, I, I really like the place. I thought you know I'll I'll definitely go back there and revisit it and uh, and try it again. I agree with pretty much everything you just said. So, Las Potroncas. Ah, for me, I had uh, the chips and salsa first off were good. Um, nothing wrong there. I agree with you. The, the waitress was just, she was fantastic. She was the win. Service was a nine for me. There was no flaws there. Um, for me, I had uh, the Potroncas Molcaster, uh, so man, I, it's almost like fajitas, but it has steak and chicken and pork chop and um, shrimp and cactus leaves and onions and a soupy mix that also comes with everything. It's literally like fajitas with extra. It's like the fajitas on fire. <laughs> And if you touch the bowl, by the way, it's on fire. The water was still boiling 10 minutes after they delivered it to the table. Watch out. Don't touch. Hot. <laughs> Don't learn the hard way like I did. Um, for me, the food, 
man, it, it's tough because the food, I agree with you. There is something about Casa Mariachi that is next level. And I don't know if it's the seasonings or what. This dish was dynamite. Would I go there back on a date and share this dish? Yes. And I think that's a key piece of it is like, share this dish. This thing is jumbo. Don't try to eat this on your own, even though I think they do intend it for one person. Share this dish. Um, but I would absolutely share it with uh, a date or a friend and have fun. I think the food and the service were outstanding. So for me, um, the food is an eight only because there is that next level where the customer actually does beat it. And I don't know why. It means we need to go back and give it, a, you know, the full rating scale. Go back from there. Uh, the environment was my only opportunity. And I think the biggest piece with the environment was we were there during prime time. I was running late. Uh, we were there during prime time and I wished it, it would have been a little bit busier. The environment was set up for an old jazz club. So very open. The, the struggle with that is you immediately know there's no one else there or there are very few other full tables. And that does have a weird impact. Not that I want a place to be busy or noisy, but it seemed hollow. Um, so the environment is seven, but otherwise the uh, paintings, I agree with you. The blue notes, old jazz on the wall. They did a nice job bringing in their culture and decor. Um, overall, to me, the total is still an eight, which is a great score, particularly for a middle range restaurant. Again, I would absolutely go back, meet a friend. I would absolutely take a date there. Um, the struggle right now is, is it a destination? And in that area, that that that's the biggest piece for me is because uh, you know one of the other things when i really think about a destination anymore is if there's anything within walking distance or a, a couple minutes is that the place i would go and i'm torn because for me unless i want to you know i'm not going to walk to the next closest place um if i'm going to drive and i don't mind a 10 minute drive unless i'm craving mexican food I'm still going down to the tailgate or some other place. But right now, man, it's right in the crux. Like, I, I wish I, I guess I'm going to say a no for a destination right now, which is awkward because I would absolutely meet a date there or go with a friend there. But as far as a destination, it's not a place where I'm like, I want to show this off. But I have no problem going there and feeling like it won't represent. Um, so I need to figure out my own piece there. But right now, it's not rated as a destination, but I absolutely um, loved it. I, I think it was a great choice um, to, to uh, fall upon your radar and for us to venture to. All right. Uh, so this week, uh, our Smart Challenge is missing 411. Uh, so here we have uh, David Pilates uh, Pride, once again, I mispronounced his last name. But. I think it's Pilates. I think you nailed it. Right. <laughs> uh, he is a former uh, police officer who is now an investigator and now primarily for his published book dedicated to proving uh, uh, the reality of Bigfoot and then also going into the... Uh, what some might call a conspiracy theory about people going missing in the National Forest Services. So, in his earlier years, he actually uh, was an undergrad. He got his undergraduate degree 
from the University of San Francisco in 1977, and then uh, spent the next 20 years in uh, San Jose Police Department. Yeah, San Jose Police <laughs> Department, and he's also he was part of the SWAT team. And uh, so eventually, uh, after I think it was after he retired, uh, he was approached by a national for, a national forest service uh, person who talked to him about these missing people. And then he goes on to write, I think, about like 10 books. There's uh, about 10 books and three movies later. Uh, and basically, he has a theory about what happened to all these people, but he hasn't really shared what his theory is about what happened to everybody. But he allows for people to read the books or watch the documentaries to come up with their own. So, uh, what did I miss? Anything there? That is the basic introduction, and it's fantastic because here is the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, in layman's term, tons of people go missing in our national forests. And if you want to do some research and be like, hey, Joe Blow went missing in the national forest. He was a 12-year-old male, and he went missing here in Yellowstone National Park. Uh, where is that on any sort of report where you keep record or track that so that I can find out if there might be a trend or something I can follow to resolve a history of these events? That's what you get. You get somebody looking to the side, not looking at the camera saying, we don't keep any records. <laughs> I find it really odd. <laughs> That the uh, National Forest Service doesn't keep records of all those people who go missing in the forest. You would think that there would be some sort of database. I mean, is there is there like a database in like in, in most police departments of like missing children or cold cases and stuff like that? Let's take it another uh, a next level. And this is jumping ahead before we contract and bring it back. Okay, what happens? When AI has an, an, an opportunity to investigate all the reported missing individuals in these areas, all of a sudden you have exactly what you want cataloged unless they are controlled. Snowden. Um, unless they are controlled by the government. So all of a sudden, you don't need a national forest service to keep track of these. You can just say, hey, chat, chat bot, GTP, <laughs> GPD, give me the answer, and you've got it. Things will be blocked. But at the end of the day, the government, at some level, does have some control, and it is tragic. It is tragic because like, I think uh, he, David Platty's uh, he uh, eventually had requested to get a list of these people who have gone missing. And the National Forest Service told him it would cost too much money to create the database. And someone came up. I'm not sure if it was in like the original movie, uh, which was the first uh, Missing 411 movie, uh, or if it was maybe in, during an interview that he had with uh, George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM. But he said, it seems really odd that it would cost so much to make a database when someone could just, just easily put together a spreadsheet on Excel. 
documents and share it share documents and share the yeah and share the documents little companies with 20 employees do that the national forest service can't <laughs> yeah pretty right? sure there's tens of not hundreds of millions of more dollars for the national forward service <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so to kind of go into this a little bit more about like these people going missing and stuff uh I think you said you watched one of the documentaries, which was the four missing hunter. Yeah. Missing four one one hunters. So, uh, which like story kind of caught your attention? Let me back up just a little bit and not just that, I guess it's not really even backing up, but looking at the whole thing and looking at some of the, like just the clips I watched some of the biggest stories I observed watched and saw that were most intriguing is the the point where someone goes missing and an example one example would be a young boy and um he goes missing and then not a day or a week or a month but years go by and his clothes are found where a search had gone and they're all neatly folded and perfect. The boy's not there or the boy is there. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Like, how is this possible? We missed him and he's still alive. Another one is a man reappears and his remains reappear. And they're like, wait a minute. How did he get here? Like he didn't walk 50 freaking miles to get over here. Not quite 50, but he didn't walk this distance. Like he would have died before, but how did he get here again in a good shape? So the weird pieces are um, the anomalies with time and space. And how does a child go missing? And then uh, remnants or pieces or clothing appear so long later in perfect condition that it shouldn't be possible. Um, the same with other people. You, you said they were folded, right? Yes, folded. Like, <laughs> who's going to put, like, a missing kid's, like, clothing folded, like, years later? So what I will say is not even aliens. <laughs> <laughs> right? Not a Sasquatch. Not an alien. <laughs> Aliens aren't doing that stuff. Uh, that's some wild stuff. But nonetheless, the space and time is something that's super interesting. Is just because space and time of some of these disappearances and remains found, for example, don't correlate. They shouldn't have been possible or plausible in that sense. Um, now, there's a ton of different other theories, but again... Is there another larger sense at play? Yeah, and there are some other like uh, things to kind of note uh, with these uh, these missing four hundred one mishaps. Uh, there are definitely hot spots uh, throughout the United States, like the Rocky Mountains here in Colorado. There's a there's a hot spot here. I think in San Juan and San Luis Valley and that mountain range down through there in Colorado. There's a hot spot. There's a hot spot in Utah. And uh, they talk about some other places where you see hot spots. And uh, there's also some like, like other uh, strange things that kind of coincide here. Like one person goes, uh, breaks off from the group. There's usually bad weather that happens uh, shortly thereafter, like when the search begins or, uh, or something like that. 
and um, I forget what some of the other. The I think he had like seven points in the hunters. Uh, the, uh, the biggest piece with the hunters is there were hot spots. Well, this is what I gathered is some of the bigger points is there were hunters. Um, there were hot spots, but we're talking about experienced hunters too. Experienced hunters over over a century. I, I think they said hundreds of years, but like what I gathered was well, actually, yeah, eighteen, yeah, centuries, hundreds of years of experienced hunters going missing, and it's to those hot spots. Um, now this is where theories of the Sasquatch come in. Or aliens. <laughs> or aliens. <laughs> uh, I think it was in the Hunter's one, right? Where the some lady was on her property and uh, like uh, in the town, like, the, like the, I think the kids were like playing, playing baseball and they saw something hovering over like the school or like the little forest area. And then the lady saw, said she saw like some camouflage person. They call it the predator uh, phenomenon. Let's face it, totally possible. Everyone can say anything they want. Time and space continuums are real, um, as is time and space travel. And with that, man, they don't make things like the Predator up. <laughs> they just don't. So the one, like on the Hunter's uh, uh, documentary, the one that really kind of caught my interest was the guy who uh, ended up walking uh, was supposed to meet up with his buddies or something like that. But then he goes and disappears. And then later on, uh, like his coffee mug and uh, his thermos with the, with the mug was sitting on a rock overlooking somebody's property. Yeah. And I think he, they were saying like he would have been walking like barefoot because they found his shoes or something and it would have been in snow. And it was like miles upon miles upon miles. Yeah. And like if the guy was like distraught, uh, you know, I guess distressed or whatever, uh, he, he was within eyesight of this property where you could see this house, but he didn't go down there. But it's like he was sitting there on this rock with his like his thermos and drinking and just chilling out there. And then, like a couple, what, a couple more miles away, they found his backpack with his his crossbow and stuff. And then that's when they found his remains, like even more miles away. Yeah. Why? Like, Why? Why? And then, like you, like listen to like the search and rescue team, and they're all like, "None of this makes sense." None of it makes sense, and furthermore, none of it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like from multiple aspects i don't think a sasquatch is going out of its way to make it look like this is just some crazy they're not trying to bring attention to themselves they're gonna hide stuff i don't believe they're that neolithic uh, that they're not bringing their stuff together um but yeah different theories i have i don't even think are theories that these others have but man he literally exudes that is a perfect example, as is the boy in the, the four perfectly folded clothes, um, exudes potential for. Ready for this? I am. Ready for the last subject? Sure. Okay. Fungus zombies. Fungus zombies. Zombies who lose their damn minds, but they remember basics and they do things like fold their clothes and keep on going until they literally die. Okay. <laughs> no, literally when I was going through all this, I'm like, 
I like the Sasquatch idea. Scotch Hour fake news. Here we come. I like lots of these ideas, but man, I'm like, if some fungus got into your brain or you became a zombie, which I don't believe bacteria would cause any of these situations based on uh, destinations. Talking about zombie ants. Any number of things. Regardless of that, I, I can see these people being fungus zombies and this experience happening to them. It's like that piece makes sense to me. Okay, so scientifically, right, supposedly as far as what we're taught is that fungus cannot grow inside the body and take over the human brain. However. That's right. <laughs> however, yeah, I think it was in India. We did have the first case uh, where fungus did grow inside the body. And, but yet these people, like the person that, that the fungus grew in the back of the throat and stuff like that, he had like diabetes and some other health issues, which I think caused for the environment uh, inside his body to where it allowed temperature the fungus. Temperature dropped. Yes. And so because temperature dropped, this is, I think this is, this is where you probably come into play here. <laughs> National forest, snow. National forest, <laughs> snow, cold, cold weather, <laughs> drops uh, the, the temperature within the body, thus allowing for fungus to get in and grow and possibly take over the mind, creating Fungus zombies. You're right. And the, the truth of the matter is scientifically, possibly all the time, we eat mushrooms, fungus, different fungi. Uh, you can have hunters and all sorts of people who are told we can eat mushrooms. They learn these things. They're starving. They're out there. They get lost, disoriented, whatever. They eat a mushroom. They get more starving, more lost, more disoriented, wrong mushroom, eat more mushrooms, finally get the wrong type of fungus in their system. But meanwhile, all along, these different things, the environment, freezing cold hunters, typically winters, typically cold, particularly at night, their body tempers decrease, the fungus has a chance to grow, it's already in there, and it does so. Okay. I can kind of see that if you yeah, like from that from that one. I mean in the other in the other show, uh, the just a regular missing four hundred one, the We should one. be writing for The Last of Us. You guys are welcome. Please <laughs> contact Scott Shower. <laughs> The uh, in the first one, uh, I think the disappearances happened more toward. Well, one of them was a kid who happened during wintertime, but he was found alive. <laughs> right, that's whack. By the way, he was like twenty miles down. Like he was found, like little, like two year old kid goes through a uh, uh, river. No, not a river. Uh, through a, a barbed wire fence and found twenty miles down uh like down the whatever field like uh found face first in the snow with his coat off and his hat off and alive and alive if you guys haven't figured out the math the typical average human walking at a regular pace is approximately and this is a little bit high three miles per hour that means this kid smaller gait smaller distance smaller travel maybe if we're lucky two miles per hour walked in freezing temperatures in the snow no coat no hat 10 hours and they there was no tracks either there's no tracks in the snow i'm just saying two things this is my second theory dude they didn't come with up with predator that stuff was already going on <laughs> and the boy just wasn't a big enough threat they listened to a baby predator out and they're like no i'm waiting till this guy's a targaryen that's 21 years of age <laughs> and then there's this other one where this kid from colorado uh went to go on a hike uh with some people 
and he split off from the group and they couldn't find him. They had searches. I guess uh, it was in the 90s. You probably would have been in, uh, not to date ourselves, but we were probably in college. No, I'm I, sorry. I, I, I was five years old. <laughs> uh, I'm almost uh, 30 now. They had helicopters. And once, just like you were talking about with this other kid, they, uh, they went through this area, couldn't find anything. Then these two hikers, like a couple, like three, four, five years later, go hiking around these like this uh, granite rock area. Oh, that's one of the that's one of the, uh, the hunters. The hunters too. They he mentioned this as granite rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this granite granite rock area. These uh, guys were taking a hike through, and they found a shoe in his clothing, folded, and they like the and, and no scrapes, no blood, no nothing. You found a shoe that looked as the shoe looked like as brand new, and the and the clothing all folded up, nice and neat. And the one thing that they pointed out was like uh, the dad was told uh, by the research uh, by the search and rescuers that uh, an animal got to the kid. But if that was the case, no blood, no blood. Uh, also, no like claw marks or sh- like the clothing being stripped apart. I mean, maybe it was the fungus guys, but I don't think. I think this. One, I think this one happened during the summertime, so I'm not really sure if fungus really would have been the case in this one. But um, interesting, and another interesting here thing. And you and I talked about this too. I think at dinner time, the FBI. The FBI comes into these situations. <laughs> they do the research, and then they tell like the local authorities, like, "Oh, we can't help you." We done all we can, AA Ron. <laughs> So I honestly think like the the government knows about these disappearances has a has a database has it uh, uh, all has it all logged and I think the what happens is the FBI goes out to these to these uh, searches collects the data that they want and then goes back and and they just document it and doing it for their research whatever. All right, so I propose this to you. Okay. If you had to come up with two possible potential situations, what's your best case scenario? What's your worst case scenario? What do you mean by situations? So I'll go first. Here's my example. My best case scenario is that it's my first threat. It is a fungus that's taken over the mind of certain people in the wild forest. Why this is my best case scenario? Here's why. You guys all think it's the worst case scenario, right? No, it's because global warming. If any of you guys who think global warming is going on, it's right. The temperatures only continue to increase and fungus only continues to die. Hashtag animals live. Worst case scenario, man, it's the predators. <laughs> okay. They're only coming. They're going to keep coming for us. And at some point, <laughs> man, it's just like, all right, well, we've been doing them one-on-one. This is getting boring. Let's just take out the whole planet. So I think... Uh I'm not really sure this would be best case or worst case scenario, depending on how you want to view things. I'm just having fun now. Yeah, I get it. No, I, I agree. I, I'm, going, I'm going along. I'm playing along here. And I'm not really sure if this falls under best case or worst case, because I think it's kind of screwed up either way. But my first theory here is that I actually think it's part of the deep state uh, adrenochrome uh, harvesting group. Possible. I think, 
so here, here's why I'm saying this is because throughout the United States and through there's other places too throughout the world, but they have what's called dumbs, uh, which are uh, deep underground bases. They're they're called dumps because they're they're known as deep underground military bases. But I don't think some of these are military bases. Um, and supposedly, it, you know, according to some of these uh, conspiracy theorists, that the uh, deep state uh, actually uses these underground bases to uh, kidnap kids or other people, and then they take them down into these under underground bases. Um, so as far as the kids that go missing, this totally makes sense. Now, I do think when it comes to some of these adults that go missing that it's possible that they maybe came across something that they weren't supposed to see. And therefore, uh, they might have saw something or heard something that they shouldn't have seen. And then the, uh, the people who are the enforcers or the people watching out for these bases or the guards uh, go and take them out type of thing. Uh, so that could be my best case scenario. <laughs> Unless you really uh, like hate the, the deep state and all that stuff, maybe it's worst case scenario. Because no one would ever think that people would, would uh, kidnap kids to uh, scare the living shit out of them and harvest them and cut and cut them up to get the blood out to do adrenochrome. Uh, <laughs> then I guess my, Everyone sleep well tonight. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> my worst case scenario... <laughs> Is aliens, and I, I think it kind of goes along with your predators. Uh, Dude, I fully believe that's the most logical because choice. Because here's the thing: <laughs> when they do these like these uh, searches, all of a sudden, like the dogs are like they find they 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 sent them sent them sent them, then boom, they stopped. They can't find anything. They're like, I'm out. <laughs> uh, and so it's kind of weird that the dogs all of a sudden lose the scent. Uh, within like just even like a couple of feet from like right where the person was last seen. Um, that just doesn't really make sense. Uh, and then these people, depending if they are found alive again or even if they're not, they're found miles and miles away from where they should have been, right? Uh, so it just doesn't make sense unless there's like some kind of like portals opening or something like that, which anybody uh, want to donate, <laughs> which could be like alien influence, or it could just be just a weird phenomenon with like time, time portal, you know, portals in time. Cause how do you explain a, you know, like a two year, a two year old kid walking 20 miles in a snowstorm? You just can't like, I mean, is it possible? Sure, I guess it's possible. But if, when you look at like uh, in the interview, the the guy, like he's an adult now, he actually shows the clothes that the, that he wore when he was a kid because his mom kept the clothes. And you're like, yeah, there's no way like a kid that's two years old is it, did not get like frostbite and die from like the clothing that you just showed. Like like the clothing, it was like almost like a t-shirt you know it reminds me of the movie that's about to come out called fetch fuck like somebody <laughs> was driving their kid off and then they came back <laughs> <laughs> oh that dog movie yeah fetch fuck. <laughs> but uh yeah so i guess that's uh that's what i would say there um i agree with you only because not that aliens couldn't be friendly Use every piece of the world as an example of 
that's not how it is. So are we genuinely friendly with Russia? No, we're supporting the people fighting against them. So why would we support the people fighting against them? It's all about money. Yeah. At the end of the day, there is like even we, as we want to be Americans, fighting for freedom. Russia still owns them as far as the world is concerned on a map because the Ukraine never separated those ties appropriately. Exactly. So overall, I think it was a very interesting, uh, and I, I don't think we did like a whole lot of justice for the information. I do think uh, people should go and do some research at least, or at least watch the documentaries because uh, it, it is a very interesting subject. Uh, to say the least. Um, but it is really odd that the National Force Service doesn't really keep a database. The FBI says that they can't help. And these people just go missing with a bunch of factors that shouldn't, that, that, that don't align. That's a good point. We didn't, we went off on so many single tangents. We didn't spell out as many facts as we probably should. Here are some of the bottom lines. And that is, man, missing 411. At the end of the day, the National Forest Service keeps no track, no log, no record of missing people that we have access to at least, but they keep no track of any of this for people who go missing in national forests. Now, that seems weird because Aurora police is supposed to and Denver police has to and Centennial police is required to and Parker police absolutely does. And any of these things we can go and we can track and we can trace and all of a sudden you get to a national forest forest service and they're like, nope, they literally looked the other way in every interview I saw, looked to the side, and either had no response or nope. <laughs> and that is something that's very interesting. So why is it that simple? And the next step is, just like with so many other things, that's the, the next step. Why is it so simple? Why don't we take the few minutes, give them the $100,000, which it wouldn't cost, to create a database where anyone can log in and be like, who went missing where? So if I'm hiking, I might be able to help and look. Why wouldn't you want that? National forests are full of hikers. Why wouldn't you have, what do we call that in Denver when someone goes missing, an amber alert? Why wouldn't you have a national forest alert unless there is a bigger reason? And that is the ultimate piece. That is the conspiracy is why aren't they trying? Why have they done nothing to make a potential potential positive impact with something like an amber alert by the way we just got a report that someone's missing instead nope no one missing and we keep no record of anyone who was reported being so so as you're saying that i came up with another possible theory <laughs> <laughs> i mean the sasquatch is my favorite but it's not so, worst or best case <laughs> here's my here's my other theory you watched ancient aliens I love ancient aliens. So you remember there was one episode where they don't probe me. Where the uh, American Indians uh, they talked about how the ants the ants people came from under the ground yeah. and took their ancestors underground until like the uh, the ice age was over. Yes. So my theory is, what if the ant people in that story is actually really true, and there are like ant people or whatever, according to them, that still live under. 
ground that we are totally unaware of. And maybe those are what's coming around and snatching these people. Totally possible in a sense of everyone says global warming is already happening. If it's already at the extent where it is, even when we, we as humans didn't pollute the world, it happened before. So we're already going to get to another ice age. So, yeah, they're just preparing for the next ice age. Possibly. Totally. I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that, everyone, um, if you found this topic interesting, definitely go check out Missing 401 and uh, check out the books uh, or the interviews on uh, Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie or the documentaries. Um, all right, Jesse, what do we have lined up for next week? All right. Ready for this? Yep. Only because I got succumbed into a couple of episodes. We are going to do a review. I mean, so I'm going to have to watch a lot more TV of House of Dragons, the HBO oh. show. Okay. That means I'm going to have to do a lot of TV watching. That. But here's where it gets fun. House of Dragons makes sense, right? So it's a phoenix, not a dragon. We're going to do the Log of Ulan, 12-year-old, 22, 22, or, yeah. 2022 special release? 2022 special release. The phoenix back here. Uh, it's not quite a dragon. It's more of a phoenix, but we're going to do it anyway. And then, man, how are you feeling about, uh, I liked everything you said, and you've said it before. I feel like... Making an adventure out to the fort. Ooh, for dinner? I guess we could do that. You have four or you want you something closer? That's a track. It is a track, especially on a Monday night. Well, we can do it another night. All right. Think about it. Okay. But possibly a dinner venture to the fort. And of which, here's the purpose really helping us to find what we might consider a destination because from my previous experiences, the fort was a destination. I'll All make right. that trick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, once again, everyone, thank you for watching us on uh, YouTube, Rumble, uh, or listening to us on any one of our uh, podcast platforms. We greatly appreciate that. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, help us get it to a thousand uh, view, a uh, thousand subscribers on YouTube, and please leave some comments uh, down below. We greatly appreciate that. And Jesse, you get to close this out. Yeah, again. Uh, that piece with the comments, man. Whether you have visited a restaurant you want us to enjoy, or you are a restaurant you want us to rate, please let us know so we can see that piece. Otherwise. Don't go to National Forest and go missing. Stay with a friend. Remember, strength in numbers. <laughs> Don't go alone. If you go to the bathroom, keep someone in eyesight. Or you might wake up 20 miles further from where you fell asleep. Or just not wake up at all. But your clothes will be neatly folded on a rock. Buddy with that, remember, man, we can definitely only say the same. Life is great make sure you are having experiences sharing fun uh you don't have to trust or understand any of our scotch reviews or restaurants but that is our goal so that's another opportunity for you to give us feedback if, if these aren't making sense to you you want more in one aspect arena area then another share that with us so we can go after that that is our goal is to make life great for others 
Ironically, we're super selfless in our selfish conquest to enjoy experiences ourselves. We're putting ourselves out there to share it with you so that you guys can have the best experience possible for what you are looking for. Uh, I enjoy this ride. Thank you, Noah. As always, remember life is great. Drink responsibly. And until next time, Scotchman! Cheers! We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.